We praise you and give you thanks that you're our King and our God and that you have cared about us so much that you would even design a wonderful plan for us to be the head and not the tail, on top and not underneath, the lender and not the borrower. We thank you, Father, that you have cared so very much for us that you have designed a program that we can live in the very economy of God that is not moved by the economies of this world. Father, we thank you for the economy that is guaranteed by your word, that you've given us the precious privilege of operating in such a holy covenant. And I pray tonight, Father, for those who will hear my voice, that what you have revealed to me by your precious Holy Spirit in accordance with your mighty word, that you, O oh God, would give revelation uh, that you have given to me, that you would give it through me today as your servant. I ask you that the Holy Spirit would grant utterance, that there might be an incredible spirit of boldness by the power of the Holy Spirit in accordance with the Word of God, that lives would be transformed, that hunger would be developed. And Father, we know that your Word says if we'll hunger and thirst after you and your righteousness, we will be filled. And I pray, God, tonight for mighty breakthroughs and victories for those who are confused and frustrated and ready to give up that there might be a mighty word of deliverance here tonight, a mighty word of power and victory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, <clears throat> I want to um, go into something tonight that uh, I approach with... Um, humility. The Lord has spoken to my heart in a deeper way than I've ever received in this matter, and I've been studying in this particular realm for, I'm talking about specifically on the subject of biblical economics for 10 years almost consistently. But I, the Lord is granting me a deeper revelation of the the whole picture here and how what he wants to do in our finances is really not an issue that is out from under uh, really the heart of God. In fact, what he wants to do in the finances of his people is totally wrapped up in his heart. It is not isolated. I want to talk to you tonight about specific number one. I've been very general for the last five hours of teaching, and tonight I want to get into what I call a door. We've been talking about the blessing and favor of God, and I want to tell you tonight about a door that operates in the kingdom of God that if you choose by faith out of love for God to open that door, it is a door through which the blessing and favor of God will come into your life, specifically your finances, in a mighty way. I am speaking to you about a door a specific door that operates in the economy of God that opens the door to the blessing that God has already designed, that God has already provided, and that he has now given us the opportunity to cooperate with him in covenant by which we can enjoy living under an open heaven. And by that, I mean... To live under an open heaven means that the, all the channels that you have are open to receive everything God wants to give you. That's what it means to live under an open heaven. 
that every one of your channels are open to receive everything God wants to do for you and give to you. There are two things that always reveal where we are. Two things reveal the heart of God. Two things reveal the heart of man. That is your mouth and your resources, your money. Matthew 12, 34 and 35, Jesus is teaching here and he says, Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak. Whatever you consistently talk most about is going to lead to your heart. Jesus also said in Matthew 6, 21 and Luke 12, 34, that where your treasure is, talking about material and financial, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Let me put it in all coaches' talk as plainly as I can put it. What you consistently talk about will lead a trail to your heart. It will reveal your heart every time. And if you want to know where a person's heart is, including your own, Look at your checkbook. Your mouth and your money will reveal where your heart is every time. Every time. <clears throat> now, having said that that is a trail into our heart, and boy, that's rather convicting in and of itself, let's get a specific definition of what we're talking about tonight is I've entitled this tithing, living under an open heaven. A tithe, basically and generally, is one-tenth. It is a portion called one-tenth of what a person receives. It is one-tenth of what a person receives. Now, all throughout religion and tradition, there is mentioned to us in Holy Scripture that there is one who is called a devourer. Jesus even spoke of Satan like this. He said he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He is a devourer by nature. He didn't always, he didn't, he wasn't always walking in that office. In fact, somehow, hopefully tonight before this is over, I will tell you why Satan, what motivates Satan, which basically you may have never understood this, but Satan is, one of the motivations of Satan's heart is the love of money. One reason why Satan comes to steal is because when he was created as a beautiful angel named Lucifer, the Bible says in Ezekiel 28, he was covered with gold, with diamonds, with rubies and sapphires, precious stones. That was just his covering. He was an anointed cherub, a, an angel who helped protect and cover the throne of God. And yet the Bible says, by his own choices, his heart was lifted up and he led a rebellion to overthrow the throne of God. He lost his position as that beautiful gold, diamond, sapphire, precious, jeweled angel. He lost that position. 
and he was cast out of that position in heaven. But now as he is on earth, part of what I find very interesting is his plan is he steals. He wants to get back that which God stripped him of in heaven. He no longer is a bearer of riches. He loves money and he desires and, and, and through greed he tries to steal. And part of what he steals is money that belongs to the children of God. Why would he try to steal something that already belonged to him? The world system, Jesus said, lies in the power of who? Why would he steal from himself? He comes to steal not only the, the peace and the health and the, and, 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 and the joy and the, the, um, all the privileges of God's children, he comes to steal their resources to hinder and hamper them enjoying the blessing and favor of God and to hinder and hamper the ongoing of the kingdom of God. You see that? And that's bound up in his nature. So, <clears throat> Part of the devourer, Satan's deception, is that tithing is only for a religious elite who somehow have made it and they can now afford it. Um, part of his deception is, and, and many of us who were brought up under uh, strict guidelines in which we were hammered with the obligation of tithing, always given the command to tithe but never shown the uh, promise involved in tithing, which I went through in great detail last, last week. Many of us who grew up thinking that tithing was simply an obligation, the devil has deceived us into believing that it's all obligation, and he has denied us the opportunity to see from the Word of God that tithing is a wonderful opportunity to express love and faith in God and to receive through the open door of the kingdom of God mighty blessings. He, is, he has um, done everything he can do to keep us from recognizing uh, the opportunity there. Uh, he has tried to deceive us into believing that a tithe is just a payment that you make. I mean, you, I mean, you know, you go to the movie, you make a payment. You, you, you live in a house, you make a payment, all right? You go to church, you receive ministry, you, 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 you make a payment. And, and the devil has deceived people into believing that, and, and God sees it as an opportunity to invest in his economy, which eventually, do you know the reason God has an economy? You don't, you don't think for one minute he has an economy because he needs the money, do you? Well, if God has an economy, who do you think are the recipients of that economy? Him? He doesn't need it. He owns it all. His children. But you see, the devil has deceived us into believing those kind of things. And another thing he's deceived us into believing is um, a, a very dangerous idea, and that is it doesn't matter what you give. It doesn't matter. God accepts all gifts. 
That sounds good. In fact, that just sounds real good. There's only one problem with it. It's not the truth. And I'm going to show you from the Word of God, hopefully we'll get there tonight. Some of you have been tithing for years, and you have never seen breakthroughs in your finances, and you're wondering, you know, I've been tithing, and I don't see the breakthroughs. Uh, wherein is the problem? And I'm going to, as time permits tonight, and if we don't get there, I'm definitely going to do it next week, and that is show you from the Word of God that tithing, the blessing that comes from tithing is not automatic. It's not automatic. And I'm going to show you some reasons from Scripture why some people who gave tithes didn't prosper. Well, now... <clears throat> The truth is that God does not accept every gift. In fact, Malachi 1, 8 and 10, and I'm not going to, I don't want you to go there yet. I'll get there later. Uh, God says very specifically that there were those who had decided to tithe. But they had decided that they were going to rather give offerings. Um, God had decided that they were going to make offerings of what they felt like they could spare as opposed to to the first portion that came to them. Now I want to tell you something here tonight and it's going to hurt some of your feelings and make some of you mad. I know I've been right where you sit and it made me mad too. But I'm going to tell you anyway. One reason why many of you are in the financial situation that you are in is because you have decided to give God what you think you can afford. In other words, what you're really saying to God is, I am going to offer you that which I think I can do without. And I want to tell you something in love here tonight, as someone who suffered greatly not knowing the truth. I want to tell you something in love. God will not accept that offering. If your attitude before the Lord is, I will give you what I think I can do without, God is not interested and he will not accept that offering. I know that's a hard word. And I'm trembling on the inside. Uh, that's a hard word. God won't accept your offering if you've just cast it casually there because you think that's what you think you can do without. Malachi 1, 8 and 10 is very specific. It talks about people who brought in the Old Testament animals for sacrifice for use in the kingdom of God. And they decided that God wouldn't matter. God wouldn't mind if they took the worst part of their flock and gave it to God. After all, why would he care? We'll keep, the, we'll keep the best part for ourselves, either to eat or to sell. Let's give God what we least think we, what we think we can afford, what is least valuable to us. And here's what the Lord said in verse 10 of Malachi 1.10. God says, I will not accept it.
The devourer's deception is God will take any old thing you want to give him. It's a lie. Tithing is first and foremost an act of worship which springs from love and faith. Well, let's look at the principle of tithing. The principle of tithing is, is very simple, and it's this. A portion of what God gives a person is deemed holy by the Lord. Did you hear that? The principle of tithing in Scripture is a portion. Listen, where does every good and perfect gift come from? James 1.17 comes from the Father of light, right? All of it comes from the Father who loves you. Every bit of your material and financial resources and every spiritual blessing you have comes from God. But the principle in Scripture is that a portion of all the material and financial resources that you have is deemed holy by God, and a portion of that is not deemed to be consumed on your own needs. You say, now, brother, we're in the world. Well, listen, folks. There are some wise men in here, wise financial minds in here, men to whom that I've asked financial questions. I mean wise men. There is nobody in here who is financially wise who would say to you that it is a, it is a financially sound principle to consume everything that comes in, into, your, into, into your possession, right? I mean, anybody who says, if you spend everything you get, that's wise, how many people in here would actually believe that? Well, where do you think, where do you think the principle of not spending everything you get came from? A 20th century financial planner? These principles didn't take God by surprise. Let me give you an example. Do you know that when God created Adam and Eve and he placed them in the Garden of Eden, you remember what he said? He gave them his image, yes or no? Not only did he give them his very life and image, but he gave them authority and dominion on the earth over everything that moved, yes or no? Not over each other, but over everything in their world other than other human beings, right? But notice there's one thing that he absolutely forbade them to do. He forbade them to consume everything in the garden. God said there's one tree in this garden that I absolutely forbid you to eat out of this one tree. You can't consume everything here. If you do, the day you do it, you'll die. I want to share something with you, and I hope that you can understand that. Listen to me, folks. Part of the principle of walking in dominion is the principle of submission. You cannot walk in dominion, even in the realm of your finances, if you refuse to walk in submission. When Adam and Eve refused to walk in submission, 
they lost the very gift that God had given them, namely dominion. Do you see that? When you refuse to walk in submission to the giver, you will walk under dominion to the very thing he's given you. Let, let, let me put this in the realm of the financial. If you refuse to walk in submission to the Lord and his principles of economy, the very gift that God desires to give you will... In this case, finances and money, it will be the very thing that will hold you in dominion. One of the mightiest principles in God and in the heart of God is that dominion comes through submission. Let me tell you something the Lord told me today is, is I was working out on a treadmill in my home, getting ready, getting my heart and mind ready for this as well as my body. Uh, he's been dealing with me big time over the past several weeks. But today he, he spoke to my heart as I was actually working out. And uh, in, in the area and in, in the realm of relationships with, with, with my family, um, and, and it holds true in this realm uh, of our finances, the harder you try to exercise dominion um, over someone else's thinking or speaking or behaving, the less opportunity you will have to influence their heart. The more you and I aspire to usurp control and dominion over our own finances that we are going to do it our way, ruling out God after all. He doesn't really care. That's not an issue to him anyway. The more we refuse to submit to him in his teaching concerning our finances, the more money we'll have dominion over us. Now, <clears throat> By the way, where do you think where do you think this lie came that came to Adam in the garden? You remember who who told Adam and Eve the lie? Well, who he used to be? Lucifer, and where did he used to live? In heaven. And why did he get kicked out? Because he refused to Submit. He was given a wonderful gift, the anointing cherub who covers and guards the throne of God. He was given wonderful resources. His very clothing as an angelic being was gold and diamonds and precious stones. But because he refused to submit, because he put his security and his significance in what he had, his position and his money, his resources, he lost the very thing that was given to him as his most precious position. So what do you think he then did as he was cast to the earth from heaven? He shows up there in the Garden of Eden and he convinces Adam and Eve that it, this is just this, this is really something. 
You have dominion. God told you you could have dominion. But what I want to tell you is this. You don't have to submit to him. You can consume everything. You can even have that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You don't have to submit to him. But when they bought into that lie that they could consume it all and not have to submit to anybody, they lost the very thing that God gave them. Dominion and position in the garden. Do you see that? Now, we see this same principle in Abraham, one of the most powerful passages, and I don't have time to get there tonight. Genesis 14, 18 through 20 tells us, now, now listen, there are those who believe that tithing is strictly an Old Testament practice, and I am showing you principles from Scripture that will disprove that which I mistakenly believed, and it liked to kill me, if you want to be honest. I learned it in seminary, and I wish I'd have never learned it. Um, how many of you know everything you hear is not true? How many know that all of us in the body of Christ have good intentions most of the time, but sometimes we just say the wrong thing? You better listen to the Spirit of God. Now, um, you know that Abraham was hundreds and hundreds of years before the law ever came. Hundreds of years before Moses and the law that came through Moses was ever delivered to the covenant children, God entered into Abraham, entered into covenant with Abraham. After all, I've spent three hours of teaching with, it, with you on that. Do you know what Abraham did? The word says there in the passage that I've quoted for you in Genesis 14, that on a particular occasion, it's wonderful, there came a, um, uh, there came a priest of God named Melchizedek into Abraham's life and he pronounced great blessing on Abraham because of the promises God had given him and Abraham did an amazing thing Abraham turned around the Bible says and gave him one-tenth of everything that had just come into his possession hundreds of years before the law the Old Testament law that had to do with tithing came into existence the prince, I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, the principle is in the heart of God. It is not an Old versus New Testament. It is in the heart of God. Abraham, uh, well, his grandson Isaac. The Bible says there in Genesis 28, verse 22, that Isaac made a declaration before the Lord. And he says, from this time on, one-tenth of everything that comes to me, I will give to you, Lord. Hundreds of years before the Mosaic Law. And of course, when um, God did deliver the Mosaic Law, and the law was never designed to make anybody perfect, it was uh, a, a tutor to lead us to the more perfect view of, the, of, well, the Bible says in Galatians 3 that it was our tutor to bring us to Christ. But here's what the Lord said to Moses in Leviticus chapter 27 and verse 30 and verse 34. God said this to Moses, the tithe is holy unto the Lord the tithe is holy unto the Lord does everybody know what the word holy means if something is holy unto the Lord what what does the word holy mean it means it is not to be used for a common purpose right if it's holy it's not common yes or no and if it is holy and set apart 
unto the Lord, then it is set aside for the purposes of God. Yes or no? The Word of God says the tithe is holy unto the Lord. You know what one of the greatest mistakes of my life ever was? Because in ignorance, I believed the wrong thing. Listen, let me tell you something. If you believe the wrong thing, it can kill you. You can be sincere and a wonderful person, but if you believe the wrong thing, you can still get seriously killed. I mean, I can believe a gun's not loaded and pull the trigger, and if there's a bullet in there, I get seriously killed. I was sincere, and I, I didn't think there was anything wrong with it. But you see what I'm saying? What I'm trying to tell you is the Bible says the tithe is holy. It belongs to the Lord. Now listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. One reason why there's such great devastation in the realm of the finances in, in the body of Jesus Christ today is we are paying our house payment, buying groceries, paying utility bills, buying clothes, and spending money on vacation and other things. We are using money that is holy unto the Lord to consume on ourselves. And that's the reason there's a curse on our finances. Now, I ain't no easy way to say that. That is the truth. And is a reason there's such paralysis in the body of Christ today. There's a curse on our finances. And as individual members of the body of Christ, do you not think that that affects the corporate body of Christ? Let me tell you something. There are several elders of the church in here this evening. There are elders of the church where I go and fellowship and where my family is, is ministered to and where our ministry is really covered by, with, with prayer and support. And I, I want to tell you this. I believe this with all my heart. I believe that if God's people would quit consuming what is holy unto the Lord and bring it to him, I believe that, there, I believe that the elders would consistently have to meet to figure out what they're going to do with all this money. You know, I'm going to say that one more time. If every person in the body of Jesus Christ believed that the tithe is holy unto the Lord and began to give to the Lord as the Spirit directed them, I'm going to tell you that ministries, that churches, that organizations that are steeped in the blood of Jesus for the purpose of Jesus under the call of Jesus, Boards and elders would have to consistently meet saying, what new thing is the Lord leading us to support? We've got more money than we, use, than we need. How can we better fulfill the call of Jesus through our church? You say, oh, that's just way out there. It's impossible to believe. No, I said if every believer, if every Christian Holy and start tithing. I ain't even talking about offerings and sowing seed. I'm not talking about special projects. I am saying that if every member of the body of Christ would bring 10% of what God has given them into where God tells them to give it, the meetings would be about not how we're going to get the money, but what are we going to do with it all.
People say, well, I don't know, Steve, about this Old Testament thing. Let me ask you something. You ever thought about Matthew 5, 17? Here's what Jesus said. I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill it. And I want you to know that Jesus didn't destroy even the law that had to do with tithing. Although, understand this, ladies and gentlemen, tithing is a lot deeper and a lot stronger than a law. Tithing is a principle that operates in the heart of God. It has not been replaced. And I want, to, I want to ask you something. Have you ever thought about the fact if Jesus perfectly fulfilled the law, did he according to Scripture? Well, if Jesus perfectly fulfilled the law and he didn't tithe, what would that make him? If Jesus perfectly fulfilled the law, if the personage of the one who perfectly lived up to the law, spirit and letter, was the Lord Jesus, and he fulfilled it, he tithed. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 20 through 7, 13, tells us that, you know, we go back to our man Abraham and how he gave a tithe hundreds of years before the law to, to a priest called Melchizedek. The Bible tells us that Melchizedek was actually a forerunner, a type of Jesus Christ who now is our high priest. And one of the most powerful passages uh, in, in that section of Scripture tells us that although, although earthly priests in, in the time of the writing of Hebrews received in Jewish law they received tithes now our high priest the lord jesus christ now our high priest who is who jesus christ himself our high priest actually receives the tithe hallelujah when you give that which is holy back to the lord the Bible says that Jesus, your high priest, is the one to whom you give it. Hallelujah. When you release it as and where the Holy Spirit leads you to do so, it may go through a vehicle that looks like this church or this church or this church or this or that or whatever. But the receiver of the tithe is Jesus Christ, our high priest, who intercedes at the right hand of the Father right now. I want to tell you something mighty and amazing. Jesus Christ is your high priest, and he knows and receives every tithe that you release into his name through his ministry on this earth. Hallelujah. Well, there's the principle of tithing. It's all the way through Scripture. But what I really want to emphasize to you tonight is that tithing is a precious, precious privilege. <laughs> you know why? If the tithe is holy, yes or no? If the tithe is holy and you are entrusted with it, what does that really mean? It means God has given you 
one-tenth of your income, one-tenth of what comes into you, God has given, he has entrusted that to you. You know what that means? It's a responsibility and a wonderful privilege. You know, how many of you have children? Let me ask you a question. Is, are they a responsibility? But they're also a wonderful privilege. Tithing is something holy. You're trusted with something that is holy, that belongs only to God, that one-tenth. Tithing in the right spirit of faith and obedience invites the Lord of the universe. What are his resources? Psalm 24, 1 and 2 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Think about it, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, you have the responsibility to release what is holy back to the Lord, but think about the privilege you get. You are invited to take advantage of an opportunity to get the Lord of the universe, who owns it all, in partnership with you regarding your finances. You ain't hearing me tonight. I said... You have been given the opportunity, the precious privilege of inviting the Lord of the universe into partnership with you in your finances. Hallelujah. Well, now, how in the world you get that? Well, I'm going to tell you, but first of all, I'm hoping you're beginning to get revelation that this is born in the heart of God and desire, you know, our desire should be to obey the heart of God and to be with his heart. I want to talk to you, first of all, about the pain of tithing and not tithing. And I, I know that uh, <laughs> many of you who've been tithing for years may have forgotten the pain. There are many people in here tonight who have grown children. And many of you precious mothers who have grown children don't live every day with a sense of the pain that you went through during labor. I mean, that's not the first thing you think about every morning now. Many of you have been tithing for many years, and you, you, you don't, it's hard for you to remember pain. But let me tell you something. If you're in the early stages of deciding that one-tenth of all you have is holy and you're going to quit consuming it, and offer it to the Lord and get in partnership with Him in obedience and faith. I want to tell you the whole picture. It's painful. It is painful. It is painful, especially if you are accustomed to consuming everything you get. Very painful. It doesn't make any sense in the natural mind. Oh, my Lord, things are tight as they are, and God wants me to do what? He wants me to take one-tenth off the top before I even pay Uncle Sam, and God wants me to give one-tenth out of everything that comes to me back to him before I ever 
pay taxes or mortgages or food or cars or anything else? Yes, that's painful. So don't think that because you're experiencing some pain that it means that it's not right. You can't trust your feelings on this. You have to trust the Word of God. But I want to tell you, just like childbirth, if you will go through the early stages of pain, God will birth you into a lifestyle <laughs> that is miraculous. Getting birthed into the economy of God is painful to begin with, but it is a miraculous way to live. God will go, he goes on record as saying he will make certain that you are cared for. Now, I've listed here the birth pains of a miraculous lifestyle. Uh, you're entering into a new economy. It's new and different. And when you first begin to learn how the economy of God works in the kingdom of God, remember Matthew 6.33, seek first God's way of doing things, and things will be added to you. Seek first God's way of doing things, and things will be added to you. Uh, there, there, there's going to be some rethinking you're going to have to do. But I want to tell you by experience if you decide not to tithe, listen to me carefully. This is not a threat. I'm just telling you the truth. If you decide to consume that which is holy that belongs to the Lord, you will put your finances in perpetual subjection to the devourer who will have an open door to introduce into your finances the curse of the law. I know a lot of these are new terms for you. Let me tell you something. If you don't know what I mean, don't even, don't even go there. <laughs> if you refuse to tithe, God will still love you. You can still be saved. You'll still go to heaven. He'll still be merciful and gracious to you. He will still hear and answer your prayers. But if you don't tithe in obedience and faith, all I'm saying to you is you will walk in perpetual, your finances will be perpetually susceptible to the attacks of the devourer, not protected and guaranteed by the Word of God. Now let me tell you why a lot of Christians today are so nervous about their finances. A lot of Christians today are worried and upset and nervous about their finances because since they are not tithing and they're not operating under the promise of God that we're going to see in a minute that accompanies tithing, they have to worry and be upset and be all uptight about their finances because nobody else is protecting their finances. They have no supernatural protection from the devourer. Did you hear what I said? If you decide not to walk in God's economic plan, He will still love you. He will still save you. He will still take you to heaven. He will still be merciful and gracious to you. But He will not guarantee your finances. And that means you better stay up and worry and plan and try your best to hold on to what you've got because the devourer has all kinds of schemes that you hadn't even thought about yet to steal, kill, and destroy from you. 
but I want you. I want you to see the power of tithing. Um, it gets God involved in your finances as your partner. Let's turn to Malachi chapter three. How'd you like to have a partner in finance that would guarantee the protection of everything you invested and has never lost a nickel? Who not only has vast resources and never runs out, but gives you a guaranteed return on everything you invest with him. If you really believe the word of God, that's what the word of God's going to tell you. <laughs> now let's look at Matthew, uh, Malachi, last book of the Old Testament, Malachi chapter three, and verse eight. Are you there? Spirit of God speaking through the prophet Malachi says, will a man rob God? You know, you and I would say, if I were to say to you, are you holding the Lord up today? You'd say, oh, come on. You can't rob God. I don't know. It's what the word says. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? And here's God's answer in tithes and offerings. You see, if the tithe is holy and belongs to the Lord, and I take what belongs to the Lord and consume it on myself, what have I done? If I take something that belongs to you and take it for myself, what have I done to you? I've robbed from you. That's what God's saying here. See, these people were going through great financial crisis. Great financial crisis. The devourer had come against them big time. And they couldn't understand why. Where's God? Won't you do something? Well, he's telling them why. Verse 9. You thought I was just over, overstating it a minute ago when I said if you don't tithe, you're going to be susceptible to the curse of the violated law, didn't you? <laughs> Look what God said. You've robbed me of tithes and offerings, and therefore you're cursed with a curse. For you've robbed me, even this whole nation of you. And then he says, even though you've robbed me, even though the curse is on you, even though you're getting eaten alive, I want to show you how to get out of it. I want to show you what I'm willing to do for you. It's not too late. Bring... How much? How much? All the tithes. All the tithes. All the tithes. Not what you got left after you pay the government. My Lord, people. God's more important than the government. The government's not going to sustain you. God is. That's good preaching. Bring all of it into the storehouse. We're going to get into the storehouse in my house later on, so don't worry about it right now. In other words, just think about it. Bring it to me. Bring it. Listen, here's what God's saying to these people in that time. Bring it where I've designated it to be brought. That there may, here's why. So that there may be food in my house. My house, what was going on at my house? Well, my house was where there was worship. My house was where, the, where, where 
people who had devoted their lives to ministering the word of God and leading people in worship were. My house is where the poor and the fatherless were taken care of, benevolence. My house was where I operate my kingdom. You bring it to me. And if you'll do that, verse 10, are you ready? Here's why you need to get God involved in your finances as your partner. Number one, you have one opportunity to put God to the test. Look at the verse there in verse 10. Over and over again in Scripture, God's Word says, Do not put you the Lord your God to the test. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. One time, God says, Go ahead and put me to the test. It has to do with your finances. Put me to the test in this. Says the Lord of hosts. Host, the Lord of hosts was a term when God gathered warring angels around him and went to war on somebody's behalf. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I need God to go to war on my behalf in a world where there's a, someone who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I, I don't have, I don't have in the natural, apart from the Spirit and the Word of God, I don't have the smarts to run my own life financially or any other way. Do you? If you think you do, you're sadly mistaken. The Lord of hosts! And see if I will not open for you the windows of heaven. How clear the channels of blessing. And I'll pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. You're going to have to get bigger containers. Hallelujah. Listen to me. If, you're up, if you've been tithing for 30 years or if you haven't tithed at all, let me tell you there's good news tonight. You can start where you are. And if you will take this seriously and not only read the command but believe and hang on to the promise, God will do what he said he'd do. He will fight for you. you uh, listen, Dean and I do something wonderful. Every time we're on our way to church to release a tithe to the Lord, you know what we do? We don't say, oh, man, well, did you write the check? No, did you? Well, what we got? Oh, my Lord, what are we, we going to do? What a disrespectful, unholy, and non-worshipful way to give to the Lord of heaven. Well, you got the check, but No, I don't. Listen, brother, when you get ready to release the tithe, it ought to be one of the most holy things you have ever done, and you ought to do it with great joy and expectation and here's what we do you do what you want to you may think we're crazy but i don't tell you we lived on both sides of this we lay our hands on that tithe and we get in that car and we pray the three of us and we say father thank you that we can tithe we glorify your name that we can give you back what you've given us and that you have deemed this holy Thank you that we can tithe. We never even consider not tithing anymore. And we thank you and we hereby stand on your word. Father, you are hereby put to the test. We fully expect you to do what you said you'd do. Open the windows of heaven and pour out us such blessing that there's no room to receive it and we fully expect it to come to pass. You don't think you can get happy about that. Glory to God. Well, it's your opportunity to live under an open heaven. 
Notice what he says in verse 11. I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Listen to me, folks. When you've planted seed into the kingdom of God through your giving, the devourer comes to try to steal that seed so you won't have the fruit of your ground. God has given you a guarantee that if you will obey him by faith and obedience, and if you will believe by faith not only the command but expect the return, then God will get involved and rebuke the devourer for your sake. Don't you ever get the idea that the devil is going to leave you alone if you start tithing. Don't you ever think that you'll never have any more financial issues or pressure. Don't you ever think that the devourer won't come after your seed. But the wonderful promise of God is, God will make it turn out right. That God will rebuke the devourer. And even though it may look like the seed you planted financially in the kingdom has no harvest, God will rebuke the devourer. Your seed will return what it has been planted with the blessing and favor of God on it. Hallelujah. You might have given it 40 years ago. You might have forgotten about it, but you need to quit forgetting about it. God hasn't forgotten. He will rebuke the devourer. Your seed will come to pass. But I got news for you. I learned last week what I told you in teaching. I learned practically. I told you that sometimes when something show, when somebody shows up at my door, if I'm not expecting them, I don't even answer my doorbell. Do you know that, that was proved to me the very next day? The UPS man brought us a package that was greatly anticipated in our household, especially by one of the members of our household. And that man came, and he delivered the package and nobody, my wife was in the shower and I was downstairs in the basement. Nobody heard the doorbell ring or the door knock because nobody was expecting the man. And he left with the package in the truck. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And faith is the assurance that what God said you were going to have, you have. It's not wishing and hoping that it'll come to pass. It is knowing that he has said it. It is done. Hallelujah. Now, the devourer is rebuked by the power of tithing. It opens the door to peace in your, in your mind and in your heart. Oh, my. I'm going to have to come back next week. There's so much more that I couldn't begin to finish this tonight, and this is a good stopping place. Let me just say this to you. Wouldn't it be wonderful to quit worrying about your money? Wouldn't it be wonderful? Oh, I don't mean to be stupid. I don't mean to be an unwise Steward, I'm saying, wouldn't it be wonderful to quit worrying about whether or not you're going to have enough? Let me ask you something. How many of you people in here tonight can honestly say you are worried about having way too much? 
No, listen, listen. Here is what the wonderful promise of tithing is this. That when you do your part, God has already given you a promise of what he's going to do. See, I don't have to, the devourer will come against me. The devourer will come against you. Did you know that? Some of you people are in business. Um, that's not saying you'll never have another problem in business. That's not saying that you won't be rejected or get fired or you won't have ups and downs in the economy or there won't be blips on the screen in your income. That's saying to you God has gone on record and given you an eternal promise that if you'll cooperate with him and open that door by faith and obedience through tithing, God has given you a promise that will always come to pass that regardless of the way it looks, the devourer will not have his way with you. You will stand and you will come out of it victorious and prosper. In fact, when the devourer comes against you, if you will stand in the economy of God, you'll come out on the other side in greater prosperity than you had when the devourer came against you. Because why? Because God Almighty will get involved and he will himself rebuke the devourer on your behalf. Hallelujah. What a guarantee. What a wonderful investment. It's backed by the word of God himself. It is backed by the currency of heaven and the resources of the one who made the promise who owns it all. Well, let's pray. I pray tonight that if you, um, if you have said, you know, I just would love to tithe, and I know I should, but I just can't afford it, I'm going to answer that next week. But I do want to just mention this. You can't afford not to. If you'll put God first, he'll make sure that everything will turn out all right. His financial plan is guaranteed by his word. And you know what he says to you? Go ahead and put me to the test. If you're trying to run your own finances, if you're trying to make it work, if you are trying your best to make sure you have enough, you need to go to your father tonight and say, Father, how could I ever have worried about something that you've told me in your word that you're going to take care of? My job is not to figure it out. My job is to believe and obey you. I'm not going to be foolish, but I want to tell you, Father, the most foolish thing I could do would be to ignore the basic tenets of your economy. I will tithe. And I know that by tithing I am offering back to you that which is holy, which belongs to you, but I also know based on your word tonight that there will be opened to me a door where the blessings of God will continually be able to flow and I'll be able to have the promise that I'll have more than enough and the devourer will be rebuked by your word and your power. I trust that many of you would say tonight, I will give to the Lord what's his and I will quit trying to withhold it. I will stop consuming everything he gives me. I will do, and by the way, let me just tell you this. You may not have any money to save. You may, you may have more outflow than you have income. 
Let me tell you something. If you've got more outflow than you've got income, above all people, you should start tithing. Because you're going to need supernatural help to get that reversed. Hallelujah. And you know what? If you will honor the Lord with the first part, over time, God will not only get you even, but he will give you more inflow than you've got outgo. <laughs> Amen. You know what the best savings account you can have? Tithing into the kingdom of God. Amen. Father, we thank you and praise you for your mighty word. It'll come to pass. Give those who are hearing your word tonight the courage, and not only the courage, Lord, but the sheer excitement and the expectancy of obeying you, not as an event, but as a commitment to a lifestyle. Thank you we don't walk by what we see, but we walk by what we believe, and we believe the word. In Jesus' name, bless your people, God, and release to them your mighty blessing of an open heaven. Thank you for the mighty way that you have taught me the principles of your word in desperate times and in good times. Father, we ask you for a holy desperation in our heart, regardless of our circumstances, whether they're swell or whether they're hell. We pray we would stand on the word and not be moved. In Jesus' name, amen.